Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 41st episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn. Folks, my Facebook account was hacked, and I still have been locked out of it. I'm not sure when I'll be able to access it again, so I apologize if you rely on the link I post on Facebook. All the more reason to subscribe. I'd like to welcome on a very special guest, Taylor Fisher. Taylor is the director of sales for the Nashville Sounds AAA affiliate of the Texas Rangers. Can't wait to chat with Taylor Fisher right after this break. Taylor, welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. Excited to have you on, my man. Uh, do you agree that the Sounds have the coolest video board in all of baseball? Uh, first off, thanks for having me, Bobby. This is, this is exciting. I'm happy to be on. Um, I kind of think it goes without saying. Like, I I don't know many video boards, but ours being a massive guitar, I don't think anything comes close to that. I don't know any other cool guitars or any cool scoreboards around minor league baseball so we gotta have the best one. Oh yeah for sure um there's been a lot of times so like i've been to um conventions and stuff like that that were about video boards um so my first year in delmarva they got a brand new video board and everybody was like we don't know how to work this thing so so it ended up being me i didn't know how to work it either i just you know learned off on the fly but the more i think about it i'm like how do you operate that thing like it how many people does it take to operate that video board uh actually so it's pretty pretty interesting uh i think you can operate as one person okay um and we did some upgrades to it um over the last several months and the new system we're using you can actually operate it just from your phone yeah um, so there's one guy who's a wizard on the guitar support board and he showed us fairly recently about how he controls it from his phone and it was mind-blowing how you control this massive scoreboard just from an app on his phone it was yeah. so cool it's dactronics right is what i would think uh, you're you're talking about okay. my life. All right, clue. <laughs> all right. That's that's fair enough. Dactronics is like they have monopolized the whole video board, um, you know, thing as far as most sports go, honestly. But um, so, what's the coolest part about living in Nashville? Do you see uh, like it's... country singers just walking down the street all the time? <laughs> um, it's pretty it's pretty awesome. I'm from a really small town in Massachusetts, so Nashville's the first legit city I've actually lived in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of like culture shock coming from my, my hometown. is three square miles, like 6,000 people. So oh, I wow. come to Nashville, which Middle Tennessee is about like 2 million people. Um, so it's pretty crazy to have like it's major culture shock. Nashville is growing incredibly. I moved here four years ago. Um, 
and in the last four years, just seeing how Nashville has exploded is, is really cool. Um, there's always something new to do. There's all these new buildings going up, new businesses opening. Um, you do see a lot of, a lot of famous people around, um, being in a cool market is we, we get a lot of pretty notable people at our ball games. Okay. Um, so like on the country singer side to your question, like Luke Combs, Cole Swindell, Cole Swindell, Brett Eldridge, mm-hmm. Lauren Elena, those type big names. But then, um, Jay Cutler went to, went to Vanderbilt. Yeah. So he, he's come to games in the past. Okay. Um, Rex Ryan actually comes to games like nice. fairly frequently. Nice. Um, as a Patriots fan, I don't really like that. But, uh, <laughs> that's that's a different conversation. But right. you do see a lot of people out and about. Um, Nashville's known for its bachelorette parties, but like a lot yeah. of the bachelor and bachelorette contestants on the TV show oh, okay. um, live in Nashville. So a lot of those guys and girls come to our games. Nice. Um, you see them out and about downtown. So yeah, there's a, there's a fair amount of uh, celebrity around town. Oh, I'm sure that must be like. I'm sure, like, just people come to the games and, like, like they're normal people, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's kind of wild, honestly. Um, oh, yeah. So I've been to Nashville one time, and it was for the baseball winter meetings in 2012. Mm-hmm. And um, so I got to ask, have you ever been to Printer's Alley? I actually have not. Ooh. Um I think I've been everywhere else downtown except Printer's Alley. Um, I know where it is. I've walked by it a million times. Um, yeah. But I've yet to go. But we actually, oddly enough, we're just talking about it randomly. Like once things kind of open back up a little bit more, mm-hmm. fingers crossed. Right. Um, that a group of us want to go check it out. <laughs> so, um, so I met. You know, I went there with one buddy. And I met a couple other guys, and and we, you know, it was the last night of the winter meetings, and we were all job seekers, and we're just like, you know what, let's let's live it up. The last night, and we, that last night was all on Printer's Alley, and um, (laughs) there are some stories to be told, but I do not want to tell them on the podcast. Off Um, the record, (laughs) yeah, they are. Who that that was one of the wildest nights I've probably ever had honestly so yeah downtown nashville in general is a lot of fun I oh think yeah everyone that moves to nashville like your first year you basically just live on broadway mm-hmm. in the general downtown area and then like as you live here longer you slowly move away from broadway yeah um, so yeah i'm four years out don't go to don't go to downtown nearly as much sure. but it's always fun to go downtown there's always something to do of course of course so, what's the biggest difference between working in high A, you did that in Frederick, and then going to work in triple A? Uh, I think it's just the market size. So, being in sales, I went from a pretty small town, small city, it was like 65,000 people, mm-hmm. come to Nashville. Nashville itself is, or at least when I moved here, was about 650,000 people. Okay. So, 10 times more people. Sure. Um, so just from a, a sales perspective, the markets are way different. There's a lot more money in the market. Right. Um, so like coming to the sounds, like as we all know, minor league baseball prides itself on being family fun, affordable and all that. Mm-hmm. And we are so affordable compared to all these other options in town. Right. But in general, our ticket prices are, are higher than 
smaller market minor league teams. Right. So coming from Frederick to Nashville, I see sticker shock because I'm like, well, now I have to sell these ticket prices. Sure. And then you find out in Nashville, all these companies, like, they really don't care. They're just like, okay, here's my credit card. And mm-hmm. they buy tickets. Um, so it is not, it is nice to have that difference, but it was definitely like a culture shock coming to a much bigger market um, where everything's kind of bigger, more expensive, all that. But um, it's been great the okay. last four years. All right. Yeah, I would imagine that would be... Yeah, that'd be crazy. I, I've never, you know, I we talked about my past experience, and I worked in Williamsport, Beloit, Wisconsin, and uh, where the Delmarva Shorebirds are, Salisbury, Maryland, and I don't know, yeah, those are all, like, relatively small towns, and yeah. I don't know what it would be like to work in a town like Nashville. That would be crazy. It's it's crazy. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun. We have... We have a lot going for us, but there's also a ton of competition. Right. Because in a lot of those smaller market towns, the minor league team may be the only one of the only entertainment options. Whereas yeah. in Nashville, there's a million different things to do. Oh, yeah. Um, so as minor league baseball does in general, you always have to be innovating and staying creative and becoming better every single year. Um, but that's even more so, I feel like, in a market like Nashville, where since there are so many more entertainment options, you really, we really have to be um, on top of our game every year. And that's a credit to like our marketing and promotions teams. Like, oh, yeah. They're so good. I, I can't do their jobs. They're, <laughs> they're really good at what they do. Fair enough, fair enough. And uh, so what are your thoughts on minor league baseball or major league baseball, however you want to put it? potentially saying goodbye to 40 teams um you know that might affect your previous team the frederick keys honestly so yeah just give me your thoughts on that yeah i think it's i mean it's it's tough it's sad it's like i i think the the beauty of minor league baseball is a lot of these teams are in markets where a, a major league club is not within driving distance. Mm-hmm. Or or if that major league club is within driving distance, the minor league club is, again, a very family-friendly, affordable opportunity. Not everyone has it. Being from, being from just north of Boston, not everyone has the income to go drop $400 for your family to go just get tickets to the game. Exactly. And all that. So... It really it, it stinks to see that. Obviously, we we probably both all have a ton of friends in the industry that mm-hmm. are going to be affected one way or another. And yeah, really a lot of these smaller markets and, and markets that aren't or teams that are not close to a major league market, like that minor league team is like the lifeblood of the community. Yeah. Like minor league teams do so much within the community to help the community and work with the community and, and all these families. So. It's tough to see. It's going to be interesting to see how the next several weeks or months play out. Um, I hope it's hope it's a lot of good news, but I think just being realistic, there's going to be a lot of teams affected, and that's really really unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, I I feel the same way. Um, you know, my hometown Williamsport may or may not be affected. Um, Beloit. They're getting a new stadium, but it's not guaranteed that they're going to be affiliated. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, it, it is sad. Um, you know, some of the guests that I've had on and some of my friends that still work in the industry, 
um, may lose their lose their jobs, and you definitely don't want to see that. And and we've both worked in small markets, and we've seen those those small towns that are that's what they have is they they all love the the minor league team and their the team is so involved in the community and it's it's going to be sad if if they lose their affiliation i hope that if they do lose the affiliation that baseball still continues there and in some right. capacity but that may or may not happen as well so yeah i hope like the biggest example we've seen at least thus far is that is the appy league mm-hmm. um I think the fact that there's a model for summer collegiate ball in conjunction with USA baseball, like I hope that grows and does well in the transition from the Appy League to this new summer collegiate model. I hope that works. Yeah. Um, because that I think that could be very promising. Um, I have some season ticket holders that also do business out that way, so mm-hmm. they've kind of asked me about that and they seem excited about that there's still going to be baseball. So, right. so like you said, like I hope baseball can still remain in those stadiums and those communities. It, it really stinks that they're not necessarily going to be affiliated anymore, but it would be to major, major league baseball's benefit to make sure that baseball stays in those communities. Cause that's the only way that the game is going to grow and help them out down the road. Right. Yeah. I, I feel the exact same way. Um, so I'm always interested, and I was looking through your social media pages, and uh, so how do you juggle your work schedule with being recently married? That's one of the reasons I got out, was to spend more time with my family. Not only that, it was the lousy paychecks I was getting, but um, and, and all the hours that I was working, and I've, you know, um, but yeah, so how do you juggle that Um your wife must be a, a real champ, honestly. She she's a saint. Beck is a saint for sure. Um, I think so far to the benefit a benefit of the pandemic and everything is we got married last August okay. at the end of the season. Yep. So we've really only worked, or I've only worked four home games as a married man. But like we've been we've been dating and engaged for a year before that mm-hmm. and all that. So. Um, She's used to it. Um, she wor- occasionally works part time at the ballpark in the box office. Oh, so okay. She, she understands um, the lifestyle, um, so she's used to the long hours. I will say the pandemic was was great because we were newly married last August. So, like our first year of marriage was essentially being quarantined. Together. Yeah. Um, so you find out real quick if <laughs> like you're meant to be together. Yeah. Um, so we survived that. We were both working from home for several months together, okay. and I was doing the baseball thing. She was doing her her job. Um, it was good. We spent a lot of quality time together. Um, we just total coincidentally got a, a puppy in February, um, right before the, a tornado hit Nashville in March. So oh, our wow. world's really been turned upside down since March, even before the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so. We got to spend a lot of quality time together. We had a new puppy who we just coincidentally quarantined with him for um, the duration of of this pandemic. So we've got to spend a lot more time as our little family. Um, So that's been a lot of fun. It's been enjoyable. Okay. So that brings me to my next question. I'm a big dog guy. Um, (laughs) I don't know if you look at my social media, but, uh, but Bo is very spoiled. 
Um, <laughs> and so I, I talked about that video board conference that I went to in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And I, so I posted this yesterday. So yesterday was the three-year anniversary of me being in St. Louis for that for that video board conference. And it was also Bo's three-year uh, gotcha day. Mm-hmm. And his, or his adoption anniversary or whatever you want to call it. And um, I don't know if people can do the math or not. But um, so my fiance, she was my girlfriend at the time. We had talked about going to look for a dog when I got back from said conference. And I called her on my lunch break. And I, and I said, hey, babe, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm at PetSmart. And I was like, uh, why are you at PetSmart? And she's like, um, I got a puppy from the SPCA. And so I had no say in picking him out or naming him or anything. Um, but he is, I just picked him up from daycare. So that tells you how spoiled he is. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. but so on a scale of one to 10, how spoiled is Fletcher? Uh, probably like in a hundred, like he's, he's way, way up there spoiled, but I will say I have a very similar story to yours. Okay. Um, I hadn't, have never had a pet before. So Fletcher is my first pet. Okay. Um, so I knew I wanted a dog eventually. Mm -hmm. I just like getting it before baseball season is kind of tough because, you know, the hours are crazy. So, like, I can't necessarily give him the appropriate attention and then more responsibilities go on back and vice versa. Right. But um, one Saturday or one, a Friday night, Becca was like, oh, can, um, can we just go to the Humane Society tomorrow? <laughs> and I was like, sure, but, like, why? And she's like, well, I just want to look at dogs. <laughs> and I was like, just look. And, um, she was like, yeah, like when you're adopting, like you can't leave that day. There's like a whole process. So like, we're just gonna, like, I just want to go and look, I haven't looked at like dogs and all. So I was like, okay, if we're just going to look, that's fine. So we go first thing the next morning, um, we walk in and the, you had to do like check-in and everything. And the Mm -hmm. girl behind the counter asked us, she's like, oh, are you looking to a like leave with a dog today and before i could say anything becca said yep and i was (laughs) like i just looked at her and she started laughing and the lady behind the counter started laughing and i was like we are and she's like oh yeah and so we (laughs) fletcher was the first dog we saw and he just was quiet and staring at us in the corner and then we looked at a couple other dogs and then we're like we're going back to fletcher and fletcher was his name at the humane association okay um, Fletcher Fisher just rolls off the tongue. Oh, so yeah. we're like, let's, let's keep it at Fletcher. But yeah, we left that day. So I got duped into a dog, but I'm, I'm, I would do it again over every single time. Right. It's, it's been, it's yeah. been an awesome, what, eight, nine months now with him. Yeah. Yeah. What kind, what kind is he? Uh, so we were told he was a boxer mix. Okay. Um, and then we did, we got one of those DNA tests. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out he's, he is a boxer mix, but he's actually primarily pit bull. Oh, okay. Um, so he's pit boxer with a little bit of terrier and a, li- and, um, a good amount of hound in him. It, okay. He's always sniffing like a millimeter off the ground. Yeah. All the time. Bo, Bo is a beagle Jack Russell mix. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he is, he howls a lot. 
and he sniffs a lot. Yeah. Um, but Bo's name at the SPCA was Darren. <laughs> I've never I've never met a dog named Darren before, yeah. but that would be pretty interesting. Cool. Yeah. So on that note, we're going to cut to a break, and we'll be right back with Taylor Fisher on the Pulling Tart Podcast right after these messages. All right. Welcome back, Taylor. Thank you so much again for taking the time out of your evening. Uh, you're still at the stadium, it looks like, uh, put in those long hours. <laughs> so uh, uh, I am still at the stadium. I wouldn't say necessarily putting in the long hours. It's just quieter here sure. um, than going home to Fletcher and having him run around and, and all that stuff. That's, so tr- that's easier true. Easier to be here. Okay. Fair enough. So... I always ask my my sales guys that come on on the podcast the same the same question. What is the number one secret to sales? I was hemming and on about this question for a while. Like I, there's a lot of different great answers that you can give. But right. For me personally, um, I think it's just being genuine in doing right by your customer. Mm-hmm. Um. I know there's the saying under promise and over deliver in the sales industry. Yeah. Um, I just think I, I'm definitely not a used car salesman type salesperson. I want to help you purchase or invest in the thing that best fits you. Mm -hmm. Like if you're looking for an 18 game plan and with for like you and your friend or significant other, like, I'm not going to try and jam four full season tickets in our best seats down your throat. Like right. That, that just doesn't make sense. I would rather you start at what you're comfortable, have a great experience and then build up from there Oh yeah. rather than you pour a lot of money into something. It doesn't meet your expectations. And then you're a one and done customer. Like, yeah, it's great. you got to sale one year, mm-hmm. but if they're not a recurring customer, then you're not building your customer base yeah. year after year. Um, so just using that method, just being genuine, and I'm, I'm very close friends with the vast majority of my clients. Like, they, they, yeah, they sent me wedding presents when we got married, and they like we've been checking in on each other throughout quarantine. Just a very like it's much more friendship than client based. Mm-hmm. And I think by being genuine and just doing right by your customer, you're going to build those types of relationships much more than transactional relationships. Oh yeah, I, I hate transactional relationships. Mm, yeah. I, I, yeah, that totally makes sense. And yeah, I'm still friends with, with clients of mine from, from Del Marva and from Beloit even. And, um, you know, um, I work in insurance now and, and the ladies in my office, they're like, you, you share too many personal details with, with clients. And I'm like, yeah, but they're going to recommend me to their friends and they're going to say hi to me when they see me outside of the office. Like this is, this isn't a one-time thing. Hopefully, you know, like if, if somebody calls me for auto and renter's insurance and five years from now, they're going to build a house. We're going to, we're going to get that house too. Like, you know, it's, this is a building process. This isn't, this isn't like, 
oh, here's the price, take it or leave it kind of thing. So Right. Yeah, like my very first sale in Nashville, like I think everyone remembers their first sale, but mm-hmm. my, <clears throat> my very first sale in Nashville was this, this nice little old lady um, called, called into the group line. I picked it up, and she was actually looking to purchase. Um, we host Vanderbilt baseball here for two games yeah. every March. Okay. And she was trying to purchase Vanderbilt tickets for her husband because her husband um, went to Vandy. Okay. And but they weren't on sale yet for us. So I was like, well, let me call down to the box office. I called the box office. Um, in the meantime, we just got to talking about ticket plans like while I was trying to sort out the t- Vandy ticket option. Yeah. Um, just got to talking about that. They said they came to a handful of Sounds games a year. and um eventually the box office got back to me and was able to sell her the bandy tickets before we went on sale. Okay. Um, just to take care of her. It was her husband's birthday the very next day. So she really wanted those tickets. Yeah. So we got her squared away. She was extremely happy and she ended up calling back like an hour or two later and was like, you guys took such great care of me. Like you didn't have to do that. I'm going to buy two partial season tickets. There you go. So she bought two partial season tickets. And this was back in like October, 2016 and now since then they still have the two partials but they've upgraded to better seats Um, okay so it's i'm very close with them so the relationship has continued to grow we're very close they're a great customer they're not a huge client of mine but like we did right by them and at the end of the day like that came around and and worked in our favor yeah that's that that's a great success story honestly so but uh so how hard is it to make sales calls right now? That's the question. <laughs> um, I'll be honest, there are like zero sales calls happening yeah. right now. Um, any type of sales we're doing right now is strictly through like social. Um, okay. A lot of it, like um, we have a season ticket deposit campaign we're doing, so a lot of that's going on social and in email marketing. Um, any sales, for the most part, have been inbound. Mm. Um there's just, with all this uncertainty tied to COVID, let alone the minor league season yeah. this year, it just doesn't make sense to try to convince people to spend, I don't know, a few hundred dollars or a couple thousand dollars on season tickets when literally, like, we don't know what the deal is. Yep. So I will say the the bright spot is everyone that has called in or reached out, all of the conversations have been extremely positive and people are excited and just wanting to do something that's so almost every single inbound we've received has we've closed season tickets like on that call or within a week or so okay um so that's a positive but the outbound just it isn't happening and it's we're keeping in touch with with clients and everything just to make sure they're like current clients to make sure they're doing okay but yeah there's really not a lot, a whole lot of outbound going on. I know every team has different mindsets on it, but it's yeah. just, it's, it's tough to do that right now. Yeah, I mean, that makes perfect sense. Uh, so I was wondering, does it, so you've, you've worked there for four years, and so you've been part of two different affiliations, right? Yes. Yep. Okay, so does that necessarily matter in a big town like that, um, the affiliation? Uh, in general, I would say no, Okay. but I will say like, so we were the, for the listeners, we were the Oakland A's affiliate 
previously. Yeah. Um, and now we are the Texas Rangers AAA affiliate. So with the A's, because they're, what, 2,500, 3,000 miles away, there's right. not a lot of Oakland Athletic fans in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. When we made the swap to the Rangers, um, we did get genuine diehard Rangers fans reach okay. out and say, I want to buy tickets or I want to do a group outing or whatever. Yeah. Um, a, there was a portion of our fan base who just happened to be Rangers fans. Um, I found out that Texas and Tennessee are like sister states. Um, oh. So there's just like, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't um, know that But either. there was a fair amount of people that were like, oh, I moved here from Texas. I moved from Nashville to Texas. So, okay. Um, it was definitely positive when we made the change. The Rangers have been a great parent club, so um, it wasn't like we lost fans or anything. It, it was it was good, but I don't think it necessarily moves the needle a ton. Okay. Um, but it was we definitely had some new fans jump on board who were Rangers fans growing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so in Beloit, we were an Oakland affiliate as well, and uh, it's just. You know, you get people that are like, oh, I wish you guys were a Brewers affiliate or a Cubs affiliate or a Twins affiliate, which they were a Brewers and a Twins affiliate at one point. But um, I don't know. I I just have a hard time. Like, would would we sell more tickets if they were a Brewers affiliate? Probably. If they were a Twins affiliate, uh, maybe a little bit more. Um, I will say this, though. The guy that was the manager at the Qdoba in Beloit, Wisconsin, had an <laughs> Oakland A's tattoo on really? on his forearm, and he would he would hook up our um, a good friend of mine, actually a former guest of the Pulling Tart podcast, Emmett Ackerman. He was our clubhouse manager, and he would hook the team up with Qdoba. Um, but just because he loved the Oakland A's, and I always thought that was so random that there's just this humongous Oakland A's, yeah, in Beloit, Wisconsin, yeah, it's crazy. So, what's the best promotion that you've been a part of, Taylor? I mean, there's been a lot. I've worked in baseball since 2013, um, but I would say, I mean, like in Frederick, we did. I feel like a lot of teams do Cowboy Monkey Rodeo, so that Ooh, was that was crazy. In, in Frederick, that was a sellout every night we had it there. Of course, um, I would say one of the coolest promotions we did, although it ended up not being as successful, and I'll explain why. But um, we worked with the Guinness Book of World Records to have the largest um, collective um, air guitar. Um, group happening on the field Um, and we did for Thursday, Friday or Saturday night like one of the nights we sell all the time in the middle of the summer and so it it was a sellout night Um, and we didn't even need the whole stadium to be there but we were going to do it after the game because everyone had to come down onto the field and we had to air guitar and the guest book world record over there Okay. Um, but during the game naturally because of how minor league baseball happens uh, we had a rain delay the game was insanely long, and it went into extra innings. Oh, that is how um, it works, though. <laughs> so yep. by the time we got to the end of the game, it was super late, um, and we actually did not get the Guinness Book of World Records because oh. there weren't enough people left at the stands uh. because it was just so late at night. Yeah. Um, but we, for the people that were there, we all did the air guitar. Like It was funny. It was, it was a cool part to be a part of, but... 
I know the the girls on our staff who who put a lot of work into pulling it off. Um, naturally, they were really bummed that we didn't do it because they, right. they poured a lot of work into coordinating everything and making sure the Guinness Book World Records was like very guidelines, whatever they're trying to, whatever record you're trying to break. Yeah. Um, but it was cool to be a part of that. Yeah. I wish we got it, of course. Sure. But, um, minor league baseball happens to you sometimes. Oh, yeah. So speaking of tarp pulling, this is the Pulling Tarp Podcast. It is. Do you have any fun or scary uh, pulling tarp stories? Uh... I don't. Th- I don't have any scary ones. I know some friends who have like gone ripped up in the tarp. Yeah, from like bad storms and everything. Um, the thankfully we have a big staff here in Nashville, so when we need to pull tarp during a game, there's more than enough people to do it. But that must we've be had nice. some pretty aggressive rainstorms in Nashville, um, and I just remember one night it was absolute torrential downpour. We went out there. We were drenched before we even got to the tarp. We pulled the tarp across the field, got everything pinned, and as we were leaving the stadium, like all the fans gave us a standing ovation. <laughs> so, like That's that awesome. was pretty. That was funny. Um, nothing really, nothing too crazy. In Frederick, much smaller staff. Um, of course, there was a time we had to pull tarp at like four a.m. and there was only six of us. Um, because no one else answered their phones at 4 a.m. naturally. Yeah. Um, so there was six of us that had to pull tarp in like a hurricane, it seemed like. Um, and we could barely get it over the lip of the grass because it was just covered and it was soaked and there was only six of us. Yeah. Um, so that was an experience. Okay. Um, but no, nothing nothing dangerous, but, but some exciting times. I, w- I will say this much. Um, don't go out like to the bars or on the town with your groundskeeper don't don't do it because uh i was out and it was right around like bar time and uh you know we had all had a few drinks and um the groundskeeper says we gotta go back to the stadium pull the tarp and we all made it back there and we did pull the tarp but it was um, it was difficult. It was not our best work. I'll say that much. <laughs> I, I had, I've had a couple of those, but the most notable one is same thing. Like a bunch of us were out. It was in Frederick, and the the stadium is walking distance from all the bars. So okay. The same thing. We were down, we were down at the bars. We we're all having a good time, and then a rainstorm was coming through, so we all had to rush back to the ballpark. Um, and I was running to like it was already kind of raining and i was like trying to run um across the tarp after the fact just to like get to one of the loops mm-hmm. and i slipped and fell and just crashed backwards onto the tarp and um our general manager there i have never seen him laugh so hard at <laughs> me for just eating it while pulling wow. tarp but it was it was fun yeah there's there's plenty of those situations as oh well. yeah yep i'm sure I'm a big food guy as well. I, I I love my food. Got big appetite. What's the best concessions item at First Horizon Park? Uh, we have a lot of good stuff. Um, we have a great executive chef here, so he, okay. he comes up with a lot of a lot of crazy things on the menu. Nice. Um, one of the the staff favorites um, is we have 
tachos. So they're nachos made with tater tots. Um, so those are really popular. Um, we have two pretty outrageous food options that I've actually never had, but um, they're probably 10,000 calories a piece. It seems like we have a grilled cheeseburger. So it's Ooh. a double cheeseburger between two grilled cheese sandwiches. Wow. Um, and that's aggressive. Yeah. And then um, we have, similarly, we have the honey bun burger, which is, again, a double cheeseburger between two honey buns. Wow. Um, I've never had, I've never had either, but for some reason, like, I guess with the honey bun burger, the, the glaze of the honey bun, like melts into the burger. Yeah. That makes sense. So it's like, I don't know, savory, sweet, whatever. Like, apparently it's amazing. And the grilled cheeseburger is just a lot. Yeah. Um, That sounds like it's a lot of food. The South, we, we have big appetites down here. Okay. I, I can dig it though. Um, in, in Wisconsin. So we had two very well-known burgers as well. And one was called the snappy burger and it's a cheeseburger with a brat cut long ways and laid on top of the cheeseburger. Um, so in the Midwest, that's a big thing. And then (laughs) of course we, we also had the true Wisconsin burger, which was a cheeseburger with cheese curds on top and then and then nacho cheese on top of all that. <laughs> it was it was messy but delicious and also probably about 10,000 calories as well. So <laughs> it sounds delicious. Yeah, but those those ones sound good. I would I would definitely try the the honey bun one. On a on a on a night that I was hungry, I might try the grilled cheese one too. <laughs> I don't know, man. So, uh, we do have one listener question, and I think I know, I know who it is because I have his number in my phone. Um, but so they asked, "How does it feel knowing you'll never sell as much as those geniuses in Allentown?" <laughs> Mutual friends of ours, of course. I, yeah, I can assume who submitted that question. Yeah. Well, I mean, it could have been Eric or Brian, but I would like I would like to think Eric's a lot nicer than Mr. DeAngelis. <laughs> right, of course. Um, assuming he'll listen to this episode. If he listens to this episode, I'll listen to his episode. All right, that's fair. Um, it's tough. I don't know. We're a bigger market, so it's possible that we probably... I think we sell more than Little Allentown. Like, I, <laughs> I would like to think Nashville brings in a lot more revenue, bigger market. We sell a lot more tickets, but we'll just have to look at the numbers. That's a great answer, Taylor. I love it. <laughs> Where can the listeners find you on social media, Taylor? <laughs> I'm I'm addicted to social media, so uh, I'm all over the place. But primarily Twitter. My Twitter is just at Taylor Fisher. No dot spaces or anything. Just first and last name. Um, on Instagram, it's Tayfish34. Um, and then I'm. You can always connect with me on LinkedIn. I connect with a ton of different sports industry folks or people looking to get into into the industry. So definitely can connect with me there as well. Okay. Perfect. You you've listened to a couple of episodes. You know how I end everyone with the same question. During your time in baseball, what has been your favorite walk up or warm up song, and whose was it? This was another good question. I was going back and forth. Like I 
obviously we haven't had minor league baseball in over a year now. Yeah. Um, so like I was, I blanked on at least minor league walk-up songs that I know there's some good ones and I like am definitely forgetting them. And that's not good. <laughs> um, but I would say as just as a baseball fan, um, again, I said for, I'm from North of Boston, diehard Red Sox fan. Um, when Shane Victorino played for the Red Sox, um, he would always, um, his walk-up song was Bob Marley's, uh, Three Little Birds. Okay. Um, so it's like, don't worry about a thing. Every little thing's gonna be all right. Yeah. And so every time he walked up to the plate, all of Fenway would sing it. That's awesome. Um, so it was just like a giant 30 second party every time he there got up go. to the plate. So like, if you're, if you're at Fenway when they do it, it's just goosebumps. It's so cool to do that. Um, on the broadcast, you could always hear it over the announcers on the broadcast. Um, so I'd say that's my favorite. It's a, it's a good one. All right. That is, that is a pretty good one. It's very different <laughs> as well. Shout out to the flying Hawaiian. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Taylor, for taking the time out of your evening to hop on the Pulling Tart podcast with me. And, uh, yeah, I just really appreciate it. And uh, thank you so much. And hopefully we can do this again. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Thanks for uh, thanks for thinking of me. Absolutely, Taylor. Thanks again, and best of luck going forward. Listen to the Pulling Tarp Podcast, distributed by Stoveleg Media. Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.